Now this morning as we, we move into the second part of our series, which we started last week, called The Words of Easter, I want to start us with an introduction this morning. So imagine that you're behind the wheel of a car, right? Your car. Right? And, and, you know, maybe it's not your car, because your car is not that great, or maybe you don't have a car, so you're imagining yourself behind the wheel of a car that you would like to have and like to own. Right? So here you are, you're sitting in this car. Each and every one of us, I want you to imagine this with me this morning to get us started. Now, you're about to go on a road trip with a bunch of family members and friends, and obviously, we know right now we can't really do that with the, the current situation and the quarantine that we're in. But in, in regular, normal times, imagine yourself getting ready to go on a road trip. And there are so many of you, in fact, that actually you need to take several cars. So you're in the driver's seat of your car, but there are several other cars around you that are going to the same place. So if you're like me, then you probably quietly and strategically start to arrange the people that are riding in your car to be the ones that are going to be the most fun, the most enjoyable to be stuck in the car with for several hours. Or perhaps maybe for some of us, it's those who we actually feel like would maybe be the most, or the least annoying for those couple hours or however long that trip may be. Have you ever been stuck in a car with someone who just won't be quiet? I think we all have. Okay, so again, now it's, it's time for us to hit the road. And you've decided that everyone's going to stick together. All the cars are going to convoy together. And so, which car do you want to be? Do you want to be the car that's out front leading the way? Maybe somewhere in the middle of the pack? Or are you saying, no, I'd rather be kind of the caboose. I'd rather be the one in the back. Are you okay following other people? If you have to follow, are you just going to keep an eye on the leader, the car in front of you? Or are you going to be the type of individual that, that pulls out Google Maps on their phone to make sure that if they get separated for whatever reason from the lead car or the car in front of them, or that person heads towards a toll road or a construction zone and, and you don't want to do that, are you going to choose to simply continue to follow them? Here's my point, and I think you'll all agree with me this morning. It can be really hard to follow someone else's lead at different times. We're hardwired with our own type of instincts and our own ideas and our own preferences, our own plans. We always think, I know the best way to get from A to Z. As I said, last week we started this series called The Words of Easter. And we began in chapter 1 of Mark's Gospel with the word time. Today we're going to be back in Mark chapter 1, but we're going to get to our second word of the series. And today's word is follow. You'll recall, as I mentioned last week, that the Gospel of Mark is the earliest of the first of the four Gospels. Not in, in the order that they are in the Bible, but in chronological order of when they happened. And Mark, again, it does not begin like Matthew and Luke with the birth of Jesus. It jumps right into the adult life of Jesus in the beginning of his ministry. Mark chapter 1 verse 15 reads this way. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That decisive moment, that appointed time, that Kairos time, as we talked about last week, has arrived in Jesus Christ and his public ministry coming forward. Jesus announced nothing less than the climax of human history. It was a critical moment of the fulfillment where God's kingdom was breaking in on earth. And it was heavenly through 
Jesus. So last week we looked at that. I want to continue on in chapter 1 this morning to see what happened next after Jesus is pronounced as his coming into public ministry. So starting in verse 16 now of chapter 1, it reads this way. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they began to follow him, referring to Jesus. Right? We, we read here in these, these couple of verses that it's a very familiar story. Jesus called the first disciples. In some ways it seems pretty simple, but yet at the same time, there's a lot that's going on in this short little passage of Scripture that we just read this morning. Jesus approached these four men, two sets of brothers, and he called out to them and he said, Follow me. Follow me, Jesus said. I want to take a moment and I want us to look at the Greek word for follow that's used in Mark chapter 1 and throughout much of the New Testament. It's the word akolotheo. Akolotheo. If you'd like to try it, go ahead. Akolotheo. It occurs 90 times throughout the New Testament. 79 of those occurrences are in the Gospels, which we know all focus on the life of Jesus. Right? So this isn't a word that's just used once or twice or, you know, in a scarce count. It's used many, many times, in 79 times in the four Gospels, which all focus around the life of Christ. So biblically, the word follow is deeply connected to Jesus, but it's also connected to this idea of discipleship. Discipleship is a word that's frequently used in the Gospels to describe the attachment to Jesus, the surrender to his call, and his acceptance of his leadership. Let me repeat that. Discipleship describes the attachment to Jesus, the surrender to his call, and the acceptance of his leadership. The definition of a disciple is this, a follower student of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. I'm going to repeat that again. A disciple is a follower of a, or student of a teacher, leader, or a philosopher. Right? So it's someone that follows somebody. By saying, follow me, Jesus was calling these fishermen to become his disciples. He wanted them to attach themselves to him, to surrender to his calling for their lives, and to accept his leadership. Looking at the Greek definition again, it also means to assist or accompany Jesus. Right? As we look throughout the Gospels, we see many examples of how the disciples assisted Jesus in the ministry and how they accompanied him many of the places that he went. The same is true for us today. Jesus is calling us to assist him in the work of advancing the kingdom of God and to accompany him and his Holy Spirit in what he's wanting to do in the world today. In their context, this was a unique thing for Jesus to do. In those days, a common pattern was for students to seek out a rabbi whom they wanted to attach themselves to and learn from. 
right? They would, they would go and they would sit in the temple courts and, and they would hear a teacher or a rabbi and they would say, I really like what he has to say. I want to follow him. I want to learn from him. I want to become a disciple, a follower of this rabbi, this teacher, this leader. But in the case of Jesus, he authoritatively sought out and called his own disciples. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a missionary uh, that is a wonderful man from the 1900s, says this, Discipleship is not an offer that man makes to Christ. Discipleship is not an offer that man makes to Christ. Meaning that you and I, we don't, we don't simply have the opportunity to just automatically become followers. It says that Christ draws us onto himself. He calls us out as his sons and his daughters, as, as loved and valued and cherished. And he says, I want you to come and follow me. So Jesus began with this, this idea of following me. What does he do next? As we continue reading in verse 17, it said this, Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Right? I will make you become fishers of men if you follow me. This is cute, right? Jesus tells these fishermen that that's their livelihood. Their, their profession is to literally catch fish and sell them. And now he says, I'm going to make you fisher of, of men. There's more going on here than just a simple play on words, though. It's not just a pun. The image of fishing for people appears throughout the Old Testament in many different prophecies, which the Jewish people of, of Jesus' day would have been very familiar with, right? They were very familiar with the Old Testament, the law, the Torah. And the passages in which this, this image is developed were always in the context, though, of judgment, right? Of God judging the people, the Israelites and other people groups. But we know that, that Jesus was all about drawing people onto himself. And he used this image of, of God passing judgment against people. And he took it and he flipped it upside down. And he made it all about salvation, right? Coming onto him instead of judgment, of pushing people away. It's here that we see how these verses are intricately connected to the pronouncement that Jesus made back in verse 15. Where he said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, referring to Jesus as God in the flesh being here on earth. Repent and believe in the gospel. Right? In many of our modern English translations of the Bible, these, this section of verses, verses 16 through 20, are, are grouped together and they have their own little subheading, but we know that's not the way that Mark wrote it. The headings, even some of the verses are, are put in a little different order, maybe section by section, to make it easy for us to understand and, and sometimes to add, you know, help us understand the timing of everything. But ultimately, the narrative of Jesus calling the disciples flows straight out of what he said in verse 15. Jesus announced that the time had come, the critical moment had arrived for the kingdom of God to break in on earth as it was in heaven. And then he interrupted some dudes who were at work and he said this, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So this call to follow him and become fishers of people is intricately connected to the reality that the kingdom of God was at hand. Right? It wouldn't make sense if, if some other person just said, Hey, follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. No, Jesus, as, as God in flesh, incarnate here on earth, he was now saying, I'm going to make you fishers of men and you follow me. It extends Jesus' call to repentance. So the immediate function of those called to be fishers of men is to accompany Jesus as a witness 
to the proclamation of the nearness of the kingdom and of the necessity to turn to God through radical repentance, says William Lane. Said that the immediate function of those called to be fishers of men is to accompany Jesus as witnesses to the proclamation of the nearness of the kingdom and the necessity to turn to God through radical repentance. So again, the time was fulfilled. The kingdom of God was at hand. Jesus then went to Simon, Andrew, James, and John and said to them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And this is where it gets really interesting. Because they actually did it, right? They actually left everything they had. Even Some of them, they left their father right there in the boat with the other workers. And they followed him. They, they obeyed him and became followers or disciples of Jesus in that moment. In verse 18, it says this about Simon and Andrew. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And in verse 20 about James and John, they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and they followed him. Think about that for a moment. In a moment, as Jesus called them and offered the opportunity to follow him, they left and dropped everything they had, including not just their profession, but their families. And they followed him. They responded to Jesus' authoritative call with immediate, and dare I say, radical obedience. When we understand the deeper meaning of what Jesus meant by follow me, we feel the weight of what it means to become fishers of men. And that makes their immediate obedience truly remarkable when we think about it. Jesus was not saying to, to these four men, hey, follow me, we're going to go watch a movie. Or follow me, I'll take you down to, to the pizza parlor and we'll, we'll get some pizza. He wasn't saying, follow me and we'll hang out. We'll watch Netflix. We'll play a game. No, this changed their whole life. Follow me equal true discipleship. Jesus was saying, attach yourselves to me. Surrender to my call and accept my leadership. And according to Mark, from what we can read, it, it basically says that they didn't hesitate. Let's not pretend that this cost them nothing either, right? Simon and Andrew, they left their nets. As I said, fishing wasn't just their job. It wasn't just their way of, of earning money. It was their identity. It's what they were known as. They were known as fishermen. And they left it all behind. James and John also left the boat, but it says that not only did they leave the boat, they left their father behind with the other workers there. This was an immediate, it was a radical, it was a remarkable obedience shown by the men in these times. So now, as we've gone through this text together again this morning, we can now hold it up as a mirror in which we see our own reflection. What does this text say to us today, in 2020, in the middle of the coronavirus epidemic? What does it mean for us? What does it say to us today? Over the past decade or so, I've noticed that a lot of Christians have started calling themselves Christ followers instead of Christians. And this seems to be a reaction to the reality that a lot of people that simply call themselves Christians are not actually trying to follow Jesus. We could, some people call it cultural Christianity. I'm a Christian, someone says. And perhaps what they mean by that is I believe in God and I'm a good person and I even go to church sometimes, so I'm a Christian, right? By name, by, by idea, but not necessarily in our lives. 
For those people, often Jesus isn't really much of a factor for them. They're not really following him. They're not a disciple of his. So instead, we try to be more concise by saying, I'm a Christ follower. But are we really? That's a question I have for each of us this morning. Are we following Jesus the way that it's described in this text that we just read through this morning? Are we attached to him? Are we surrendered to him? Do we accept his leadership fully? Right? That means that when he asks me to go somewhere, do I respond in obedience? When he asks me to do something, do I say, yes, Lord? And when he, he's trying to lead me, do I say, God, even though I don't want to go, I know that's where you're leading me, I will go in response. Or do we tell Jesus that, that he can be the lead car on the road trip while we're secretly mapping out our own route the whole time? Right? Getting back to our illustration from the beginning of if you're not the lead car and you're following, are you trusting them in the direction they're going to take you? Or are you saying, you know, secretly I've got my own plan. I've got my own route that I want to take. You know what? Sometimes, to be honest with you this morning, when I reflect on my life and I, I think about this idea of I'm, I'm not sure that I always 100% see this radical and remarkable obedience that we talked about in this text this morning. Right? We're not perfect. And sometimes you, you, you sit there and you think to yourself, am I truly fully attached to God? Am I truly fully surrendered to His will? Am I truly fully allowing Him to lead us in our lives? But you know what? I hear that call. I hear Jesus calling out to me. And it's the same call He's giving to you. And saying, follow me, He says to us. This is not just a call for a select few, it's a call for everybody. Jesus didn't go find the most religious people in the world who were on the edge of their seats waiting to be called into action. He found some guys who were at work, right? It says that they were literally mending their, their nets and he called them away. They were with their dad and, and, and others and, and he called them away and they followed him in immediate obedience. They didn't ignore his call and neither should we today. How many times does Jesus invite us to follow him every single day? Yet we just brush him aside. Right? Maybe we're at our workplace. Maybe once school gets started, we're at school. Maybe we're out trying to just enjoy some fresh air and take a walk throughout our neighborhood right now. And you see someone who's in need. It's a moment where we can be generous or kind or humble or gracious or compassionate towards someone. God shows himself to us in those ways. For every time that we do it, that is us responding to Jesus saying, God, I want to follow you. I'm going to follow your lead and I'm going to attach to you. I'm going to, I'm going to follow your leadership, what you're asking me to do. But I want to challenge you with this thought this morning also, though. Are we doing it just because we don't want to follow someone else? That's not truly following someone. That's just being okay with an option but not truly trusting and believing in it. Right? We can't say things like, I'm busy right now, Jesus. I've got plans. Can you check back with me tomorrow when I don't have so much on my to-do list? When Jesus says, follow me, which he is saying to each and every one of us, the only right response is an immediate, radical, and remarkable obedience. Following Jesus is a foundation of true discipleship. Following Jesus means giving up control over our lives. Surrendering to Him, accepting His leadership, and following Him. So this morning, maybe you're watching or listening, and you're saying, you know what, I've never fully surrendered to Him. I've never actually committed my life to Him. And this morning, I want to do that. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond in that way in just a moment. So whether it's maybe the first time, or maybe you, you, you made that decision in the past, but you've just kind of fallen away from the Lord, and you want to recommit yourself to Him, I want to open that opportunity to you as well. 
But before we do that, if you're watching on an online church platform, I just want to encourage you, if you please take a moment and push the mention button, and then it's going to pop up a question of if you respond to salvation this morning. If you do, I'd ask that you just simply push that button. It's a way for us to connect with you, a way for us to know what God is doing in and through the, these times of ministry this morning. So if that's you this morning, if you're going to respond, whether for the first time or recommitting your life to Christ, I want to encourage you to repeat after me in this prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the perfect example in every way. Thank you for his blood that was shed on Calvary, that my sins may be washed away. I commit myself to you and I will follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. And maybe you, you didn't make that decision this morning because you already have, and, but you're sitting there and I want to challenge you with this thought this morning. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, but you haven't really just totally jumped all the way in. You haven't totally left the boat. You still kind of got one little foot left in the boat. And you haven't fully surrendered to Jesus. This morning, I, I want to challenge you with that thought and with these questions of, have you fully attached yourself to Him? Are you fully surrendered to Him? Are you allowing Him to fully lead you? You're accepting His leadership. You're accepting where He's asking you to go. This morning, I want to pray for each and every one of us as we close this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you have done this morning in reminding us of the challenge from your word of what it means to truly follow Jesus, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to attach ourselves to you, to surrender ourselves fully to you, and to, to clearly look to you for leadership and allow you to guide us and direct us. God, I pray that if any of us lack in any of these areas, or maybe we struggle with one or another or just all together, God, help us to fully commit, to fully surrender, to fully follow you and become your true disciple in every way, shape, and form. So we thank you again for this reminder this morning. Father, I also pray for those that in this time may feel alone. They may feel totally disconnected. They feel, may feel as though they have no community. God, I pray that you would pour your presence and your spirit out upon them this morning, right where they are, in their home, in their workplace, in their vehicle, wherever they may be. God, and that you would just, they would feel your tangible presence. And that, God, you would help them to connect with people through social media, through a phone call, through FaceTime, whatever communication needed. But, God, that they would feel that there's people that love them, that care for them, that are here for them. And so, God, I pray you would help us to reach out to those around us. God, to be an encouragement, to be a light to those who are near us. God, be with us now as we close out our time here together with our service today. We love you and worship you. We honor you and we adore you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for church online again this morning at Chisholm Assembly of God. If we can be of assistance to you in any way, please don't hesitate to reach out to our church office. You can do so by calling us at 218-254-0026 
or by sending us an email at yourchurchofnorth@hotmail.com. I hope that you have a blessed Holy Week, and we look forward to joining together online again next week as we celebrate Easter and Resurrection Sunday. Hallelujah! He's not in the grave, but He is alive, and He's rose again. We thank you so much again for being here with us today. We'll have a wonderful week. God bless.